0: Welcome to Singing the Blues. I'm Dom Howson. And I'm James Marriott. We are live on Facebook, YouTube and Twitter at the moment. An equally warm welcome if you are listening to the podcast version in the normal way. So, um, since we last did this, three games, five points, but unbeaten, but no clean sheets, and certainly some defensive issues that we need to um, talk about, but couple of difficult to wear games navigated with four points, but it really should have been six. I don't really know how to sum up the last fortnight if I'm completely um, honest. If you are watching live, then it will be interesting to get your input early on here. So um, if you've got maybe one word or one sentence to describe the last couple of weeks for Sheffield Wednesday, or perhaps to just kind of generally sum up how you're feeling right now as a Wednesdayite, that would be really useful. Lots and lots for us to talk about from those two away games for certain. Uh, But Don, we'll start with Shrewsbury, which was probably the low point of the fortnight.
1: Yeah, it was. uh, It does seem an awfully long time ago. And yeah, Wednesday actually played, I thought, pretty well in the opening, sort of 25 minutes to half an hour. And then the penalty miss from Bannon was the big turning point. Um, and then Bailey Peacock Farrell made a big mistake for the equaliser, and in the second half, well, yeah, Wednesday they hardly created anything. We've said that a few times this season, so that was uh, very much a you know Wednesday. We came away from it thinking Wednesday dropped two points, and if they had maintained that sort of opening half an hour flurry that they had then I think they would have won comfortably. But, you know, you have to credit Shrewsbury that they dug deep and they got the equaliser and then they um, defended, I thought, really well second half. And we shouldn't forget, actually, that Wednesday had a controversial goal disallowed for offside. You know, I think that should have stood... Um, and I remember both, yeah, both managers disagreeing on that. Steve Cotterell was, uh, yeah, adamant that he was definitely offside, but the um, the stills would suggest otherwise. And yeah, you know, Darren Moore, he didn't use it as an excuse. To be fair, for you know what was a really poor, I think, and disjointed second half performance. But yeah, you know, if they'd got the second goal, then I think they would have won without a doubt
0: it it was an annoying one wasn't it because the offside i'm i'm not really sure how anyone could look at that and argue that it, that it really was offside because you know the the replays the stills whichever way you look at it it, it's quite i mean it's not even that tight really he's, he's he's pretty clearly onside but it doesn't matter the chances were there for wednesday to have, have have had that game pretty much wrapped up and it was one of those very frustrating performances and 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 we talked about a couple of weeks ago when we were when we were here doing this and 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 that game just being so important and anything really other than a win from that game was going to cause quite a bit of discontent among wednesday fans because Uh, No disrespect to Shrewsbury, but you kind of think, well, if we're going to have the sort of season that we expect to have, got to win games like Shrewsbury at home. They're kind of like the sort of a a given, aren't they? And, and, And the annoying thing was the chances were there that first 20, 30 minutes for Wednesday to be pretty much out of sight really, um, and then this familiar sort of feel whereby it's wasted chances and then when it comes to it and 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 the opposition get a foothold back into that game, it didn't feel like there was an obvious plan B for Wednesday to go to, which is, right, now we're going to have to do this to win this football match. Wednesday kind of, it sort of felt like just fizzled out, ran out of ideas.
1: Yeah, they did, um, and this is where... I think we come back to your question: Is there the plan B? And the, you know, Darren Moore, he has sort of rigidly stuck to that four three, th- the four three three, up to that point. Um, and yeah, you know, there were certain question marks. I think after you know, the sh- you know Shrewsbury, where you thinking, okay, yeah, this is a new team, and they're still gelling together and everything. But you, you expect more than what they produced. Um, against Shrewsbury without a doubt and um, yeah there are no gimmies as we've quickly sort of discovered in League One but you you do look at Shrewsbury and think that if you are seriously going to finish in the top two and that's what Wednesday are aiming for then they have to be putting those sort of sides away at Hillsborough
0: it feels like a while ago, doesn't it, the Shrewsbury game, because there's plenty that's happened since. So we'll, we'll move on to the two away games. Again, if you are watching live and you want to get involved and tell us what you've made of either or both of these um Pretty difficult away game, certainly on paper anyway for for Wednesday. It would be interesting to get um, some of your thoughts. You could also tweet us as well if you want. We'll be keeping an eye on on that. And we've had a couple of interesting um, thoughts already through on uh, Twitter. Um, Ipswich, before we get on to you know what, just kind of sum up that performance up to going into injury time for us.
1: Better than Shrewsbury. Um, defensively solid, uh, but again, similar sort of um frustration and disappointment and concerns around the attacking play and the balance of the team and and everything. So yeah, um but but it, you know if they'd held on to the end, then it would have been a you know great three points. And the narrative then would have been, that it was a disciplined, hardworking, professional away performance. But then with what happened at the end and yet another Peacock-Farrell blunder, you know, you came away and uh, I was on the train. Uh, I went down on the train that day. And so, I, you know, I came back with, you know, hundreds of pretty unhappy Wednesday fans. Um, and I don't really blame them as, uh, you know, they made the long trip. And they weren't particularly entertained with the performance that Wednesday put on. Um, and then you get that one goal up away from home against a side that you expect will be there or thereabouts and in the promotion shake-up. And it, it comes down to game management, doesn't it? At the end, and I'm sure we'll talk more in detail about the actual you know, equaliser and everything. But... Yeah, you know, it was a stunning goal on the positive side it was a stunning goal from Dennis Odenarin who I would say arguably has been Wednesday's standout player so far this season
0: yeah um, lots of interesting comments uh, coming up um, first of all we'll say hello to Paul who says up the owls we, I think we could all uh, agree with uh, with that one nice to have you listening uh, Paul uh, who also says Wednesday playing well for 30 to 45 minutes a game seems to have been a problem f- for years and, and this is, I, I mean, whether it's quite that or whether it's more this late goals and uh, I, I feel like we're kind of repeating even what we said just two weeks ago about this issue with late in the game, character collapsing, not putting games to bed. We've just talked about two games there, Shrewsbury and Ipswich, which really the Shrewsbury game Wednesday should have been out of sight early on. The Ipswich game, when you get towards... Injury time, back end of the game, you, you should be able to see those out. So we are in danger of being stuck records here, but it's that problem is still there, isn't it? Where you know late in the game, Wednesday, uh, 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 just a, a losing concentration, whatever it is, and and, and not getting um, and not getting the result that really should have been on a plate.
1: Yeah, and. I know that we haven't sort of got on to Wigan yet, but you would have taken definitely four points from those two away matches. And it's funny, isn't it, that at the start of the season you would have said that Charlton, Ipswich, and Wigan they are going to be the top, you know, some of the top six contenders. And Wednesday are unbeaten, you can see, you know, from those three matches, so you could look at it that you know away from home, you know, Wednesday I would say have actually played some of the toughest matches. You know, away from home at this level already so that's a good sign that you know this Wednesday side When, when we, we haven't even seen the best of them yet and they Are still picking up points, and they're in a good position. That they've got a game in hand. Yeah, that's against Sunderland, who are flying. But yeah, you know, right now there are certainly more positives for me. And it's amazing what a victory does to change the mood, and that's what's happened. You have to four matches without a win for Wednesday to then get the result that they did at Wigan. That's where you can put a much more positive you know, spin on everything right now
0: we've not really talked about the uh, Bailey Peacock Farrell mistake too much and uh, we, we we are going to have to talk about it um, I, I, as ever I, I'm keen to kind of get the thoughts of uh, of people that are watching this live on this one. Now there's been quite a few polls and stuff about it on, on social media but um, if you are watching live, uh, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on who you think is at fault for that uh, mistake. Because There's been quite a bit of debate about this and Dom, I'm interested in getting your thoughts I'm sure, obviously you've wrote a lot about uh, this but I've kind of got myself into a couple of threads on Twitter talking about, clearly Clearly, it is. It's a schoolboy error from Bailey Peacock Farrell. It's the kind of thing that you know. It should be just a prerequisite for every goalkeeper. We've seen. I can't remember who it was. Was it? It was someone in the back in the nineties where a similar sort of, of of thing happened, and that gets shown over and over again. And um, uh, it just it, it shouldn't happen. It shouldn't happen. However, there's a there's there's ten other players on that on that pitch, and. At, at, at that point of the game it's not like it just kind of crept up he was behind him for a long time for me it feels like something is is going wrong there in terms of communication there's, there's, a, there's a worry there in terms of the togetherness of this team that they're not screaming shouting instructions to each other all the time and he should have known about that that, that just should not happen
1: No it shouldn't and you wouldn't see that or you'd be disappointed if you saw that uh, you know, in Sunday league football wouldn't you really that you know all round defensively uh, that was uh, you know a shocking moment for Wednesday and we have seen those lapses in concentration after such a strong start at the back uh, you know the beginning of the season when they were keeping all those clean sheets that yeah and you know, then recently yeah you no know, Wednesday have um seen more errors that have crept in and you know it's basics for me really that's what it sort of boiled down to and you know, clearly you know BPF will take the, you know, and has taken the brunt of the criticism for that goal and and rightly so it was an aberration and it was a moment of madness and I, you know the, I, it reminds me of and I th- it might be the game you were thinking of James of um, Dion Dublin scoring mm. for Coventry Um you know, against Newcastle, you know where it, that happened, and you, you're looking around and thinking that surely somebody in that back line, whether it's Dominic Iole for Sam Hutchinson, Shay Dunkley, who's brought on, they must have seen it, and so uh, you, you'd like to think there was some communication there. Um, maybe that there was a shout, and Peacock Farrell didn't hear it. Uh, you know, we, we might never know, really. But then, he, you know, even after it's happened, you know, when's he still had enough players back where you're thinking, surely someone could make a block or get a foot in to stop it, you know, going into the back of the net. So, no, I, I don't really buy into or completely blame, really, Peacock foul for that goal. But, you know, yeah, clearly... um <laughs> There was a lot of pressure on him after that, and it, it was interesting that you know Darren Moore made it clear straight away after the match and said that he'd be playing against Wigan and that he is his number one. And that was a yeah. big call for the manager to make there.
0: Yeah, um, I, mean, I mean we know this, don't we, of um, of Darren Moore that he is he is loyal. He's very uh, protective of his um, players. I think the the worry with Peacock Farrell was kind of because it wasn't as if it was just a one off mistake. It was the fact that it was um, not not even the second actually. There's been three goals this season where you can level blame at him, and you know other kind of situations where he's looked a bit wobbly. And to be fair to the the guy, he saved whatever it was four penalties mm-hmm. in the first two weeks of the season. Um, so you know he's 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 obviously kind of earned a little bit of, of slack from us. Um, hi to uh, Oliver who is watching on Facebook says mistake was definitely Peacock Farrell's defenders must have assumed he was aware of his surroundings I don't think that's a good word in football assumed to be honest I I, I still think communication should be even however obvious something should be um, but as Oliver says he will definitely check in the future that is definitely true uh, hello to Charlie who says defenders obviously didn't help but Peacock Farrell holds the most blame without a doubt keepers should always glance over their shoulders before putting it down expect And this is a good point, especially at 1-0 up in the dying minutes. And as Charlie says, inexcusable. Let's hope he never, ever does it again. When you do think we are going into injury time, uh, just belt it up the pitch. There's so many better options than actually what he he did. I don't want to go on and on about um, that one let's put it to bed let's move on then to the uh, undisputed highlight of the last fortnight then uh, which was the uh, Wigan game on uh, Tuesday night a very a very cold windy was it a bit wet as well in uh, in Wigan on uh, on Tuesday night it was uh,
1: thoroughly miserable yes but uh, <laughs> thankfully the result brightened everyone up James well
0: I, I wasn't there so um I did listen to most of it on the uh, on the radio so um it kind of it, it felt a bit like the the game where things fell into place that maybe haven't done in the last couple. And also that little bit of luck was in Wednesday's favour. Again, you know, late penalty. It could have crumbled at the end, but Wednesday actually kind of held on and did what they needed to do to see that game out.
1: They did, yeah. And it has to be said that Wigan threw the kitchen sink at them in that last 10 minutes or so after... You know, they scored the penalty. Um, you know, Darren Moore made three changes for this match. Of course, you know, the, the headline was that Bannon was on the bench. Um, He picked up that knock at uh, Ipswich, but, you know, he started on the bench. And uh, he also tweaked the formation a little bit. So it wasn't 4-3-3, it was 4-2-3-1. And, yeah... Th- The inspired move to put Callum Patterson in the uh, number 10 position where we have seen him before have joy for Wednesday and that for me was the biggest difference James really that Lee Gregory had more support around him and that was huge that um, you know I think too often this season Lee Gregory have looked him and I think that he has been a little too isolated, um, especially away from home, where you want went to get the numbers up and around him. Well, Paston did that, and he was a genuine goal threat. And. Yeah, he's finished for the second. He's hit it into the ground, but it was very deliberate. He knew what he was doing on that trusty left peg. <laughs> That's what I'm saying anyway. <laughs> um, that what he
0: said by any chance? Yeah,
1: he uh, might have said that, but he also admitted that he's not Ronaldinho either. Yeah, you know, was, I, I, I was just about to mention yeah. that.
0: That was a great little, um, little quote from... Um, from From him, let's let's talk about him in a second. I'm just going to bring up this comment from um, Rory, who says similar point to what you were making there about uh, Lee Gregory getting some support and the difference that that um, makes. And we've we've sort of been waiting quite a while to to feel like Darren Moore's starting to get to grips with these players. And I was starting to get a little bit concerned that this is going to sound weird from the guy that at the start of the season said we've got to have patience uh, but I'm like Darren Moore didn't seem to be learning very quickly about his players and I started thinking what are they actually doing on the training pitch why why is he not starting to get to grips a little bit better with the players that he's got so I think it's um, it's good and it's necessary that we saw a bit of that in, the, uh, in the, the game against Wigan probably lots for him to think about to then take into a couple of big home games that we've got got um coming up. Um but let's talk a bit more then about Callum Patterson because super goal, bit lucky, depends which way you um think about it, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It was a goal, it won the game. That's that's the important bit. Um I've got to be honest that I think in my mind I'd sort of written off Callum Patterson a little bit. I and mean, there was talk a while ago about potentially lining up a new contract for him. And I remember thinking, why? I'm not I'm not sure that I see him really as being part of the future and yet here Darren Moore seems to have found a role for him that might just work
1: yes and talks are still ongoing with Patterson over new contracts Um, yeah for me Patterson that is probably his best position I think that's uh, that's where I like to see Patterson play that where he's given a bit more of a a three role. Um, he can do a job in midfield to dropping back, but then he can ghost into the box. And I think from sort of the attacking midfield role, he's capable of getting double figures. And, you know, we saw what he did, you know, last season in what was a you know, really disappointing campaign. He ended up with nine goals. And so I, I think that he's not an out and out centre forward. We've established that now. And at the, Lee Gregory is the main man. I actually want to, you know, um point out or flag really that you know Gregory's contribution for that goal is superb and yeah, you know, he was unlucky not to get on the score sheet himself. I think he'd be disappointed he didn't take you know one of those chances in the second half. I think the you know the keepers pulled off a great save to tip it onto the crossbar, but he definitely should have made it, you know, three one and you know, we were all relieved at the end that I didn't come back to Wednesday with that missed opportunity, and, and I think you know, Gregory is getting chances most matches, um, and I, he, he's gone now a few games without a goal. But I think it's a matter of time, and when he gets one, I can see him going on a little run again. Really, so I'm not too sort of concerned about you know Gregory, um, and it's it's that supply line, isn't it? But moving Hutch into midfield, and I thought you know him and Lewis Wing did pretty well in there. Um, you know, just all around, you know, Shea Dunkley coming in at the back up against a big physical unit in Wike. Um, you know, I thought that, you know, him and Dominic Iorfer did a good job on him and contained him pretty well. So there were there were a lot of positives that, you know, Wednesday could take and that second half, I think, attacking wise, it's the best that they've looked. That sort of twenty five minute, half an hour spell, I think that you know, they created a number of chances, you know, against the side who were banging form as well. You've got to remember they'd won five in a row. So for Wednesday, when the pressure was on there for them to get the result and you know, it was deserved, you know, that should give them so much confidence and belief moving forward.
0: If there is anything that uh, you think we should be talking about, any questions that you think we should be tackling, uh, please pop them into the comments and we'll get to them in, to, in, in a bit. Or as this section normally seems to be, me asking Dom if he knows anything about a certain player who might be signing a new contract or leaving or whatever, uh, that's fine. Anything like that, just pop it in the uh, comments. A couple of things from earlier uh, that I uh, haven't got to yet. Um Charlie, uh, who we did hear from earlier, just saying would have loved more points, especially from the Shrewsbury game. That was a must-win, and we really should have uh, really should have been how we started. Uh, of the two away games, would have taken four points, but it's in a way it's disappointing with how it's um, ended up happening. Onwards and upwards. I mean, we can't we can't um, get away from that point can we and 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 Simon here saying something similar do we think that Wednesday have turned a corner now with four points from two difficult away games or is it a case of typical Wednesday raising our game for the bigger teams in the divisions feels weird doesn't it because it should be six points we should absolutely be here talking about six points from what were two difficult away games and I think that we We're having different kinds of conversations if Wednesday have taken six points from those two games than the ones that we're having, but at the same time, it is four points from two difficult away games and ignoring the circumstances, I think every one of us would have taken four points from Ipswich and Wigan away, absolutely would have done. But that thing there about, you know, not beating Shrewsbury, but then raising our game to go and take those points from those difficult away games, you know, we're coming into a period now with two home games and I'm um, not going to say that any of them are going to be easy, but if, if, if this is going to be a season where Wednesday are challenging at the top end of the table, got to win home games. So Oxford coming up and Bolton coming up in the league. They're games that you would expect Wednesday to be winning, right? Realistically, we should be setting our sights on taking six points from those two games. Are, are we falling back into that trap of not being able to, to win those simple, easy games?
1: Mm, too early to say for me, really. Um, you know, they still picked up results This season against some of the other sides in that bottom sort of six, bottom eight, Um, and and clearly these two home matches coming up, they're two teams that they're going to be fancying their chances of trying to you know be in the playoffs at least this season. And Oxford have finished in the top six in each of the last two campaigns, so uh, again, I think you know Oxford have got some really good players. You know James Henry, um, you know Wednesday know all about from years gone by, Matty Taylor. And then, uh, you know, Jordan Fawnley, they've got uh, on loan for Blackpool, who I think will probably come back into the team and he should get a good reception. And, uh, you know, he's done really well, I think, defensively for them this season. And um, you, you look at it and Wednesday unbeaten at home, they've only played three t- three games at Hillsborough so far and Oxford haven't won yet. If Wednesday are to be finishing in the top two, we come back to it all the time, don't we? If they need to be averaging minimum two points per game. And right now, just they're actually below that. And even if they win on Saturday, they'd still be below that. So that cliche of turning Hillsborough into a fortress, you're right. I, I couldn't agree more that st- as good a teams as Oxford and Bolton are, Wednesday, they have to be looking at these and thinking we need to be putting them away and we need to be winning well.
0: It feels like this this league this season. We, we've said a few times that sometimes League One is a bit rubbish. This this year is different. There are some really good teams in there, and there are plenty of teams who can quite genuinely set their sights on promotion. Um, and the way the league started, it's obvious that there are there are teams that are, are going to are going to be looking to start pulling ahead a bit. Like, the the form of Sunderland's been pretty impressive. Other teams who are up there, and all right, we've just beaten one of them in Wigan, but before that, they were really consistent. There is a risk of just getting a little bit cut adrift if if we continue with this kind of sluggish form of of, of not building that momentum. And two home Where are games...
1: Nine matches in, James? Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, I think people can't lose sight of that. And Wednesday really in, it lost two of them. Yeah, so it's not... Yeah, the seven points behind Sunderland at the moment, who they're, they're going to be playing... In the next few weeks too, so that, the gap could be down to four. But so they've got they've got to put a run together. Yeah, but that was going to be the case at some point this season that they'd have to win, say, at least half a dozen games in a row, uh,
0: maybe more. But, but I think I think the the point that I'm trying to get to is that. It just hasn't happened yet, has it? And, and it needs to happen soon. Even when Wednesday have won games this season and, and Wigan was, was uh, you know obviously a, a promising performance. But earlier in the season, we said it, Wednesday were winning games without particularly playing brilliantly. Now's the time that it has to start falling into place.
1: It does. And that's where I think it's encouraging that Wednesday've got the points on the board that they have when I don't even think they've played well in 45 minutes yet this season let alone over 90. So that's where, uh, yeah, I feel as if you're Darren Moore, he's had more time now to work with this group that were very quickly put together as we've talked about before. And so we did say that patience was going to be important. And there were a few fans who were getting a bit twitchy and panicking because of the performances and then the results and coming. And I think that's what makes it worse, isn't it? It's when you're not playing well and then you're not winning, then that's when the pressure really cranks up a little bit. But they answered some of their critics the other night and you still do look at it away from home and think those results that they've got to beat Rotherham, get a draw at Ipswich, a draw at Charlton and then to beat Wigan when six of their nine matches in the league have been on the road, I, I would take that. I'd take that all day long, I, I, you know, really. You know, and I think you know, Plymouth was the blip. Plymouth was the you know, worst performance of the season. And you'd like to think they've now got that out of the system and the only way is up now.
0: It still feels to me that the next that these next couple of home games are super important, um, and I, I to be honest, any, anything less than six points is going to be a bit disappointing. But you know, certainly anything less than four points uh, is. I think I think we'll see a lot of fans who'll start to think this season's probably not going to be the season that we that we want it to be. And and I mean, that, that's not a bad that's not necessarily a terrible thing because before the season started, I would have said I don't think this is going to be a promotion season for for Wednesday. Um, and I'm still not entirely sure whether or not I think it could be, but um, it it's, it still feels like a fairly pivotal moment when you've got two back-to-back home games coming up. What we haven't mentioned is that there is another game in the middle of those two, which is away at Mansfield in the good old uh, Pizza Cup. Um, I'll come on to that in a moment. Um, something else that we need to kind of touch on and talk about a little bit, and we, we had a tweet from Tom uh, about this earlier on. Um, right, Barry Bannon. So as you mentioned, he wasn't in the starting 11, uh midweek. And he'd picked up a knock, but Darren More very interestingly, rather than he could have just said, Oh yeah, he'd picked up the knock, so we didn't want it, he could have left it at that. But he he specified that it was also partly tactical, right? Didn't need to do that, but he did. So, you know, he he kind of made the point that it wasn't entirely down to the knock that he got. I've seen a lot of people and heard a lot of people talking about Barry Bannon in the last couple of weeks. And there's been question marks about whether or not, should he be first name on the team seat? You know, does, does, uh, uh, do, does he actually cause issues as a as a as a team and and this kind of expectation that everything goes through him? Is he suiting the role that Darramore's kind of given him this season? Um, and and lots of different question marks. The fact that he didn't play on um, on, on on Tuesday night and Wednesday won is, is certainly not going to help alleviate those question marks where are you on this? Barry Bannon, there is absolutely no doubt whatsoever. He's a great footballer and we've already seen some brilliant moments from him this season. But the questions about whether or not he fits into this team, where do you stand on that?
1: It's quite straightforward for me, James. Uh, He's not a number 10 and that's where he's played most of this season. That experiment... And Darren Moore, let's not forget, Darren Moore was picking Barry Bannon there just after he took over last season. I remember him taking him off at Reading after they had a man sent off early on um, when they lost 3-0. I mean, everyone was saying that was a big statement. And then people will point to the other night naming him on the bench. You know, he did sort of say that he'd want to keep him fresh. Um, and I, I do think Bannon will come back into the team on Saturday. But for me, he can play in a... In a three, um, he could play in a two, but not in the number 10, not in the attacking midfield role. He, he's not scored enough goals in, you know, in his career to warrant playing there for me. You know, he's the midfield playmaker in this team. That's what he is. That should That's his job. That's where we've seen the best of Barry Bannon when he's creative, gets on the ball, dictates play, and he can really pull the strings, and he does that from a deep lying position for me. So as a pivot in a four-two-three-one, alongside Hutchinson wing, whoever, and I still think it could work in a four-three-three. Three, but that uh, you, you know, where he's there alongside, and we've seen it this season where he's, he's got a Denner, and as long as he's got legs around him, I think that's that's the key of, of where you need that mixture of energy and you still need the physicality for me Of and so that's where even if you play Bannon in a two I've got no problems with that but then that really in this Wednesday squad means I think he needs to then play alongside Adenaran or Hutchinson really to sort of compliment him so that you know we see Bannon at his best and, and so far this season he's been really inconsistent and if Wednesday going to finish in the automatic promotion places, then I, you know, they they need more from Bannon on a consistent basis. And I definitely think he's got a big part to play. And I wouldn't yep. expect that Bannon is going to be on the bench loads and loads this season. But I think it's also important to throw in to the conversation that it's a three game week and Barry Bannon is going to be 32 later this year. And he'd had an unbelievable run of you know, nearly two years where he's not missed the league match, and, and so to you know going back to your point of he should not be an automatic pick. It should be based on form and on what we saw at Ipswich. He struggled, so he came out of the team. I think partly due to injury and then form, and that's what it you know, should be based on with all players. No player's got a divine right to be in the in this Wednesday team. They have to be producing the goods.
0: Yeah, and and you probably hit upon a really important point in there, which is that there will be there will be people uh, listening to this probably screaming at us saying how can you even suggest the idea of Barry Bannon not being in the team? There will equally be people screaming saying he should not be an automatic choice. And there's there's pull of views on Barry Bannon, and it's interesting to to try and mop them all up and try and figure out. I mean, there isn't a consensus, but I do find it interesting. Um, and both those things are true, really, in terms of the fact that you know he is a very very talented footballer, and it would be have to not make use of that obviously but also there's a danger involved with kind of making him the focal point of the team because um, he's going to miss games that's going to happen whether that is through injury or whether that is through I think Darren Moore's kind of shown that he will take players out when he thinks they need a rest um, and he will rotate things when he when he needs to that's that's fairly clear from what Darren Moore's already done that he isn't a uh, I haven't, he doesn't believe in this kind of I've got my strongest 11 and I'm just going to stick with them he does tinker Um, and so Barry Bannon is going to miss games and we have to be able to perform and win games without Bannon and maybe there are games where actually tactically it's a game that's better suited to Bannon not being in the team and we've got to be open to that idea we can't just, you know, this kind of thing of well, Bannon's the best player in the league he's got to be straight in there I'm I'm not sure that's healthy I think that we have to try and view this as it's a squad game, we have a collection of players and sometimes the best players to win a given game actually might Barry Bannon might not be one of those starting players
1: and psychologically do you know what as well James I think it was a big boost in Philip for the team that they won the other night without him playing yeah. as the week before all the talk was oh does you know, do Wednesday You know, rely too heavily on Bannon everything has to go through him and the criticism comes with Bannon is that he, we know he always wants to get on the ball, and he always wants to make things happen. But does he slow the play down too much at times? And I do understand that. I do think there are times where I like him to speed things up a bit more, and do things with a little bit more urgency. I, I don't. I would like that at times, and I think that um, it's valid. You know, that the, the sort of Bannon detractors, you know, will say that he should move the ball quicker through the lines and that uh, don't not slow play down. And so um, it's it's really sort of fascinating, isn't it, at the moment with Bannon, that um, there's a lot of talk around him and his form and uh, and where did you get him into this Wednesday side. But we've already seen the difference he can make, though, in matches this season. You know, from that opening goal at Doncaster Rovers, It was his corner at Ipswich. So, yeah, don't write off Bannon thinking that Bannon hasn't got a part to play this season just because he's not hit top form yet. I'm telling you that Bannon, his experience, what he brings to this Wednesday team, he's still a key cog in this side for me.
0: Well said, well said. Uh, Right, cool. Other thing we've not talked about then is is the Mansfield game, which... um, not particularly bothered about um, talking about. Other than to mention the fact that I was amazed when it um, it, it flashed up the other day that it's sold out. And again, Wednesday taking, I think it's one, it's a horrible number, 1,666 um, fans that Wednesday are taking to uh, Mansfield. And it's it's a fairly early kickoff. It's 7 p.m. on Tuesday night. The weather forecast is terrible. Uh, and there's a theme here. I wondered whether or not post-pandemic and everything that had happened, will there be people that think, do you know what? I'm going to do other stuff with my weekends, or you know, I'm I'm not I'm not going to drag myself up and down the country midweek to to watch uh, Sheffield Wednesday. I've got other things to do, um, and I mean it's the opposite of that, isn't it? You know, the fans uh, this season have just been absolutely magnificent again.
1: It's incredible the backing that they give them home and away. It really is, and that's it. You know, I think the sort of. Um, Corona virus enforced break. Yeah, then you know, it's just made Wednesday fans that more sort of desperate to get back into the stadium and make up for lost time and get behind the team. And uh, you know, I I was gutted really that at Ipswich you're up in the gods in the press box, so you can't see the away end there. You can only hear them. But then. Every time I go to Wigan, and I have done over the years, it's just—it's incredible when you look up and you glance over to the away end, and you just see that entire stand is is always packed out, and it doesn't matter. Um how badly or how you know how well Wednesday're doing that it's it's guaranteed it's nailed on that the Wednesday fans will be there out out in their numbers out in force to get behind the team and and yeah seriously at hillsborough they're going to get the place rocking this year as long as the team give them something to shout about and at the moment they are the ninth the well placed to push on and i'm expecting big things from this team and I I still think look at it that yeah they've had their ups and downs already but they're heading in the right direction
0: I'm uh, just going to give a very quick shout out to Paul, who is off to Mansfield and um, says he'd love to see us get to Wembley and lift the pizza. Sorry, lift the cup. My mistake. I misread it. Uh, right. That's going to wrap us up then for um, this episode of Singing the Blues. Thank you to our partners at Title Law Solicitors who make the show possible. Please check out titlelaw.co.uk or titlelaw on Twitter. Dom is at Domhausen. I'm at James Marriott. The show is at Dom and James. You can also find us on Facebook and YouTube where we're going to be broadcasting live throughout the season. You can just search Singing the Blues and you will find us. Um, All the links to all those different pages and stuff are on our website, which is singingtheblu.es or head to the show notes for this episode and you'll find them all there. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Up the owls and we'll see you next time.